everyone welcome to the caffeinated brown girl podcast my name is pallavi and i am the host of this podcast so thank you so much for tuning in today um today's episode is another one that will irk your travel bug i'm sure but it's really insightful and i had a lot of fun recording it but before we go into the episode let's just take a moment to recognize the us presidential elections last week was really stressful and i'm sure all of you felt it and i'm not one who's shy about like my views or what i think how i feel um and i'm glad that we got orange out of office um and there's still a lot of work left to do this is not where activism ends um now for joe biden and kamala harris like there's so much more to go and something else i've learned is not to idealize politicians and so while we take this moment as a victory as um getting donald trump out of office having the first woman vice president having the first black and south asian vice president in office like while we celebrate all those things we also recognize that there's a lot more left a work left to be done but with that being said do take the time to you know feel good about it um and let's hold even these people accountable for the actions and the work that they've promised they will do so with that being said um thank you so much for all your support on the podcast and all your support on like my coffee and matcha recipes that i've been posting on instagram i've been having a lot of fun doing those and i'll continue like making more um as i create new things so let me know if you like them um and let me know what content you're liking and things that you don't like as much and we can you know change things up so please dm me with that information um another thing that i want to mention is that I am recording a couple of episodes here in the next few weeks but after that I'm taking a break from recording so roughly from January 10th through um um not January 10th roughly from December 10th to January 10th or 15th I'll be taking a break from recording episodes because I already have a lot of stuff backed up and then I'm also going to visit family so I want to take the time off I'll still continue posting the stuff I already have but I won't be recording anything new so if you do want to be on an episode still you can DM me still you can email me um but do know that we probably won't like record until the new year so that's just something to keep in mind and the final thing i want to say before i introduce the guest of this episode is that we are so close to a thousand followers on instagram i'm at 990 or in that range so please 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 give me a follow there because i really like interacting with everyone um and just say hi when you do and you know interact with the content because it's for you so Um with that being said so today's episode features Tiffany Davis who I actually just randomly found through YouTube and I just was so intrigued by her story and really wanted to have her on um you may like you may notice that my podcast has up until now just featured like south asian people and while that is like my primary audience I do want this pa- podcast to be a platform for 
BIPOC communities and to share stories of those people and so I think um, we will be diversifying here a lot more and while my audience and my guests may still majority be of South Asian descent I do not want to close um, storytelling with that because I think there's just so much more we can share and there's so much more we can do to uplift our fellow brothers and sisters so Let's talk a little bit about Tiffany. So she is an American who has been living in Paris for the past three years. So Emily in Paris, anyone? She's an entrepreneur building a personal brand which helps give people the clarity and confidence they need to jump outside of the comfort zone and make the dream of living abroad a reality. She has a YouTube channel, which is just youtube.com slash Tiffany Davis, that's dedicated to helping people navigate life abroad through her personal experience and also offers tools on her personal website, which is itstiffanydavis.com to help people move abroad. And she also launched a free move abroad mindset guide that launched in October. So you can check all of that out on her website and YouTube. A quick disclaimer, we recorded this episode before the second Paris lockdown, so we didn't talk about that. It was also the point I hadn't watched Emily in Paris, but um, we talk a lot about like her move there and how life is like there and things you need to know, things you need to prepare for, some culture shocks, how to make friends and all of that stuff. But I would recommend keep continue following her YouTube channel because she talks about you know all of this on a continued basis and now she's talking about the lockdown that's happening again and she also like reviews like Emily in Paris compared to her own experience and something that she said that I really appreciate is that Emily in Paris was like really white and you know Paris has a lot of diversity and so does the rest of the world and so I think recognizing that there are people of all kinds there and people of all races there and so that's why I just think that you know she's a great creator you should follow and it will definitely make you want to move to France so um, without any further ado let's get into the episode but make sure you check out the show notes for links to Tiffany's channel as well as our Instagram which is just at Branco. Hi Tiffany, thank you so much for being on my podcast today. I'm excited to talk to you, um, but why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, so I moved from New York City to Paris back in 2017, originally to get my MBA, and I've been living here ever since. So living abroad has been quite the adventure. Um, I also now have a YouTube channel where I share a lot about my life abroad to really help encourage people to make the big leap abroad, um, just because I've had such an awesome experience here, and I would love for more people to have this type of experience. Yeah, that's amazing. And I actually saw like your videos because they were randomly recommended to me by YouTube, which sometimes its algorithm does beautiful things. And when I saw it right in the middle of quarantine, I was like, this is so cool. And like, we need more people who are, you know, across the world and not just watching people who are in the US and those same experiences. And seeing you know where you were and you were openly you openly talk about like experience there like how can people come there and um seeing all that support I think was really encouraging and um yeah like I'm excited to share with everyone um all that you do thank you so much (laughs) yeah of course so can you tell us a little bit about like your background did you 
always grow up in New York and like when you were in the US, um, what did you study? Did you work before going for your MBA and all that stuff? Sure. So I'm actually originally from Boston, Massachusetts, like a suburb right outside of the city. Um, and I never really had this like big dream of moving abroad or anything like that at first. Um, but I was playing in my high school orchestra. I was like 16 years old and we took a trip to Italy to like play in the cathedrals. And I remember being in Italy and being like, oh my God, like before I turn 30, I really want to move abroad. And this is when I was like 16 years old. And I kind of just had that thought and just kind of like let it go. Like it wasn't something that I was like working towards all of these years or something. It was just kind of like, okay, this seems like a cool opportunity. But of course, my parents were like, you are 16 years old. You are not moving outside of the US. Um, so that was kind of that. And then um, I was, and then moving forward, I was graduating from um, Howard University. And my mentor at the time was like, Tiff, if you really want to make it in this fashion and beauty world, you have to do your luxury MBA in France. And even when she told me that, I was kind of like, who is moving to France? Like, this is insane. And she had told me about the program because it was something that she had originally wanted to do. So she works in fashion and knew that I was really interested in fashion too. But still, I was just kind of like, mm, this is just not the right time for me to do something like that. And I was also like done with my studies. I, I studied marketing at Howard University and was just kind of like done with school. Um, and then I went to work in San Francisco in fashion. Um, then after that, I went to work in fashion PR in New York City. So like managing fashion, beauty and lifestyle accounts. And it was there when I kind of felt the need for a transition. Um, I had been working in New York for maybe a year and a half, two years, and was just kind of feeling stuck, you know, like I was kind of like, I feel like there's more to life. Um, I feel like I kind of learned all that I could learn on the job. I was kind of getting bored with my job. And it was kind of at that time that the program popped back into my mind. I was actually at a dinner with um, my sister. because she, she was graduating from um, her master's program. And people were like, Tiff, would you ever consider going back to school? And I was like, I would, but I don't think it would be in the United States. And I feel like after that, the ball just started rolling. Like I went to MBA fairs in New York City um, and the program that I was really interested in. Um, there was a representative at the, MBA, at the MBA fair for the program, which was really cool. Um, I totally unrelated had planned a trip um, to Europe with two of my good friends. So I was able to see the school. So like everything just felt like it was lining up for me to have this experience abroad. Um, and I had really, really just wanted an international experience, really wanted to connect with new people, be immersed in a new culture. And then it happened. So the next year I was off to France, which is crazy. That's amazing. And I love how like it stuck with you, like throughout those years when you were working, like in the back of your head that, yeah. okay, like this is something like I want to do my MBA in France. And I think it's like, I come from India and I feel like a lot of people from like India, like go abroad to study. Uh, but like, studying with people in the US like studying abroad is mostly seen as like a two-month thing or like a semester's mm -hmm. worth of thing you do during college but it's not necessarily thought of as like something you can actually do for your whole degree and then maybe work afterwards in that new place so I yeah I definitely think it's like an interesting experience and I 
think more people are opening their eyes to like you can get a degree in various places does not have to be um, limited to a country exactly and I really like what you said about you know some people think oh I'll just go for like three months or so and that was kind of me I was kind of like okay I'm just gonna go to France for a year get my MBA and move back to New York and then now three years later (laughs) I'm still here you know and another point I would make is at the time when I was looking at MBA programs um, it looked like it was a lot less expensive to actually go to school in France than some schools in the United States too you know, so that was also kind of like a a decision making point for me as well. Yeah, for sure. And like tuition in the United States is just crazy. Like I could go on about that forever. (laughs) So yeah, like I think like the financial aspect of it definitely like when I so I did like a little study abroad program in Prague. um, And when I was doing that, I found I was paying so much less, even though I was studying abroad than I was paying like institution here on a scholarship like the difference is just crazy and like mm-hmm. think about it um but when you were like okay when you made the decision that okay I am going to do my uh, MBA in Paris here's this program I'm interested in what was like your like pre-departure like planning process so whether that's like how was the application process? Was it similar to like when you were applying for your undergrad um, colleges? And how were you just preparing yourself mentally and getting all things in order before you left to go to Paris? Sure. So the application process I would say it was a bit more in depth because it was an MBA. So I remember I had to, and I I don't know if things have changed since then. So this was three years ago, but um, I had to write four essays on like different topics. I remember one was like, you know, what is the goal of your MBA? What do you hope to get out of the program? Just things like that. Um, We also had to secure a few um, letters of recommendations from like mentors and people that we worked with. And then we also had an MBA interview where the director of the program actually flew to New York City to interview potential candidates. And when I tell you, like, I have never been so like anxious in my life for an interview because we had the director of the program in the room and then they also had luxury executives in the room, too. So like directors of luxury companies and things like that. So it was pretty intense to have like a panel of. I would say four people in the room just asking you questions about your career. So that was kind of crazy, Um, but I made it. And then I, of course, also had to take the GMAT. Um, So for my program specifically, you could take the GMAT or the GRE. Um, So I will say it was definitely a process. And me kind of like being an overachiever, I was like, I want to get my application in early. So I remember like, locking myself in my room for like a weekend and just cranking out the application. And I had roommates at the time and they were like, what is Tiff doing in there? Um, But I was so determined to like get my application in early. So that's what I can say about the application process. Um, But in terms of preparing for the move, um, I am probably the worst person to follow for this because I feel like I was so unprepared. Like, Um, To the point where I didn't even really start packing for the year until like the weekend before my flight to France. And it was crazy because when I got here, I had so many friends that were like, oh, I had been packing for weeks. And I was like, really? I just kind of like threw all of my stuff in a few suitcases. Um, 
But like, I, I would say just leaving New York, there was some preparation in terms of like, of course, securing my student visa, telling my roommates um, that I wanted to move. So I was living in um, like a three bedroom um, apartment with my two of my like really good friends. So kind of having to break the news to them like, hey, guys, I'm moving. You know, that was a shocker in itself. Um, also having to like leave work. So like things like that, I definitely had to prepare for. But I will say that, um, and I think you kind of mentioned it too, that like when you're making these big moves, your mindset is everything. Like your mindset is absolutely everything. And I actually just worked on a guide to kind of help people get in the right mindset of moving abroad, just because I feel like sometimes that's the one thing that's holding people back is like the fear or the anxiety or not feeling that not feeling like they can actually push past it. Um, so I do think kind of mentally preparing myself for what I was about to get into too was very helpful. Yeah, for sure. And I think the mindset is so important because you can like, you know, physically prepare yourself as much as you want, like pack weeks in advance and get things in order. But like, if you haven't thought it through, like reach, like when you reach your destination, like it can get really confusing. And for me, I know when I was coming to the US, like I had thought a little bit about like, okay, like this is where I'm going to live and this is how things are going to happen. And especially starting as a first year student, like those things are laid out for you. Mm -hmm. uh, but it really mattered to like, think about it like what does this mean like being away from family not being able to go back home like I have to take a whole flight two flights yeah. <laughs> to you know get back and so I think it's it's so much like mental prep and I think um like people don't recognize that so I think that's a really good point exactly I totally agree with you yeah, so you mentioned that you uh, did your MBA there and you're like you were interested in fashion. So can you tell us a little bit more about like how was it like studying in like a French institute? Mm -hmm. um, was your program in English or was it in French? Mm -hmm. um, and then also a little bit about like yeah, how the program was and uh, what you're doing now after that. Sure. So the program was English speaking. Um, because it was a very international program, like people came from all over the world. So the, the language spoken was English. And I really liked how it was set up because also during the program, we went on three field trips to see um, the luxury industry in different countries. So for my class, we went to Hong Kong, we went to Dubai, we went to Italy, we went to Switzerland, which was so cool. And I think that that was also a deciding factor for me um, when wanting to go to school, go to the school was like, I really want that international experience. And I thought it was so cool that this program allowed for that opportunity. And the structure was kind of similar to your typical um, MBA program. Like we did have classes. I think our classes were probably around like 30, 30 people in each class. Um, so not super, super big. But throughout, um, but throughout like each term, we were also taking field trips in France and in Paris to kind of understand more of the luxury industry. I remember we went to like Louis Vuitton's workshop, which was super cool. We went to the Christian Louboutin factory, you know, and I think that just having done my studies in France, it's kind of like I had everything at my fingertips because France is kind of the luxury capital of the world, which was really cool, too. So 
Um, in a nutshell, I feel like the program consisted of classes and exams, like your typical MBA, um, field trips, so out of the country, which was really cool to connect with industry leaders, and then also field trips within France. Um, and then the other thing I forgot to mention is that we also had executive speaker series. So I want to say maybe twice every month or so, um, they would have executives like leadership from top companies within Paris or within France come and speak to us, which was a really cool networking opportunity, you know, just to be able to connect with people who were working in um, the luxury industry, which of course a lot of us wanted to go into after our studies. And yeah, and then I think, and then you were asking, what did I do after the program? Okay, so um, following the program, I was actually working in the luxury beauty industry, which was really cool. Um, it was an American company, so thankfully um, I was able to speak English, but I do still highly recommend learning French because you know, even though um, even though the work was in English, like there would be after works where like everyone was speaking French and it was a predominantly French team. So I kind of wish that my French was um, at a, a bit of a higher level before kind of joining, but I still made it work and everyone on the team spoke English. So that was an awesome opportunity. Um, and I was on a short term contract. So I'm not sure if a lot of people know, but in France, there are two types of contracts. You can either be on a CDI, which is a permanent contract that honestly most of the French are on. And when you're on a permanent contract, like even if you want to leave, you have to give them like three months notice. So it's like you don't really have a lot of flexibility. And then there's another contract called a CDD, which is um, a shorter term contract. They usually start you off at six months, but you're only able to extend it up to 18 months. So I was on a CDD. Um, and for those of you who are interested in moving to France and working, know that usually when it comes to um, foreigners, they will usually kind of start you on a CDD. And it was extended up into its entirety of 18 months. It actually just ended in February. So now I'm kind of taking my career into my own hands, starting with YouTube, starting with building my brand. Um, as I mentioned, um, I'm about to launch a guide to kind of help people get in the right mindset of moving abroad. So I'm kind of taking matters into my, old, into my own hands to kind of see what I can do before jumping back into corporate. So that's kind of what I'm up to now. Oh, that's amazing. And thank you for sharing that, like, contract slash visa aspect of it because I think people don't talk about that enough and like even for me like being in the US like there's so many different like work visas and like things you have to consider and it's like it blows my mind how complicated like things can get sometimes and I know that when I was coming here I didn't even think about like what does like the work situation look like and so I'm glad you're making that guide and like even through your YouTube videos, just telling people like, okay, these are things that exist. So think about this holistically uh, before making that decision. So I love that. And on your MBA program, I loved that you said that there were like field trips because it's such a specialized field, like doing an MBA that just being in the classroom and giving exams is going to teach you not much it's like when you actually go and see things or you actually do the work is when you learn and so uh, I'm glad to hear that your program had all those components in 
Yeah, I would say that the field trips were probably the highlight of the program just because we were really going to like different countries and really understanding how business is done in different countries, you know, because it's like, especially me coming from America, that was all that I was used to, where we went to Hong Kong and things were super advanced and we were learning so much about the digital landscape. So it was definitely a really cool experience um, and definitely one of the highlights of the program. Yeah, I bet. And I feel like Europe is so connected too. Um, that like you said, like you went to Dubai, you went to Italy, and those are also like pretty um close places. So yeah, I can see how that was a highlight. So you mentioned a little bit that um, you know, like knowing French is important, even though you were able to like um get by without being completely fluent. But um can you talk a little bit more about like your experience just um, being there and learning French or, you know, not being like as fluent as a native speaker and how not only in your workplace, but just like in day to day life, like whether you're going to a restaurant or going shopping or, you know, trying to find an apartment, like how does that language play into all those aspects? Sure. So I will say the good thing about Paris is that it is becoming more and more international. So more often than not, like even if I go out and kind of try to use my French, they typically um, they typically can like pick up my accent and they'll switch into English. Um, or when I go to restaurants, like a lot of the menus are in French or English, French and English. Do you know what I mean? So I will mm -hmm. say Paris is definitely becoming more international. Um, with that said, I feel like when I first got here, I was super intimidated by the language, by everything. Everything was so new. I would just hear people speaking it and just kind of be like, okay, and <laughs> kind of shy <laughs> away. Um, but now I am working to become fluent. I'm definitely not fluent yet. But I will say with the French that I know, um, I don't really have trouble getting around, um, you know, even in the grocery stores and things like that. Like, I remember my first time setting foot in a French grocery store and I was like, what does all of this mean? Like, I was so confused, um, but it kind of grows on you. And granted, I've been here for three years, so I'm kind of getting a lot more used to things. So I've been okay with the little French that I know. And of course, now I have a French tutor. So it's like, again, I am working to become fluent. But with that said, I think where things become difficult is when you have to deal with the French government um, and your visa in the prefecture. So um, in France, um, the place where you get your visa renewed is called the prefecture. And um, I'm sure you guys will like hear this um, on other American YouTubers or whatever, talk about their experience in France, but Americans and foreigners, like <laughs> they cannot stand the prefecture because it's like you wait in super long lines. And especially if you don't speak French, it's really, really, really hard when you have to process like very important documents. And I remember going there for the first time in um, just being like, oh my God, like, how am I going to communicate with these people? And it was really hard. It was really hard at first. So I feel like when it comes to more government um, relations, like, yes, not knowing the language can be a little bit tough. Um, but for day to day, I've been okay getting around, even with finding an apartment, which if you've seen my videos is a process in itself. I have, yeah. <laughs> it is such a process here in Paris. But even with finding an apartment, um, the most of the agents that I've been paired with, 
did speak English or have like some understanding of English. Um, there are a lot of agencies out here that um, have English speaking agents, which is really cool. And even for the apartment that I got, so I actually didn't get it through an agency. It was more of um, a landlord kind of posted it on a website and she is actually from Poland and she speaks English. So more often than not, like you can find people or a lot of people here do speak English so you can get around. But for me, you know, being in a new culture, it's like I've always wanted to learn the language. I think French is also such a beautiful language. It's a very hard language. I will say that it is very, very tough. Um, but me personally, right now, I am super dedicated to learn. And I also think, you know, when you are moving to a new country, if you really want to have that full experience of being immersed in the culture, it's always best to learn the language. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Like, so I learned French for like five years in school, but I feel like the thing about school is they don't teach you how to like speak the language. They teach you like the grammar and the writing and the reading, which is great. But then when it actually comes to going to a place, like speaking, it is like the most important thing you can do. And I remember I was once uh, talking to my cousins who grew up in Cameroon and they started speaking in French because they grew up learning that. And I'm like, oh my God, I don't understand anything they're saying. They're speaking so fast. And like, I just was like, whoa, like yeah. that's that's when I saw the difference. And then when you go to Paris, like obviously there's a different in dialect and accent, like even uh, between like the French to speak there versus like other countries or areas where there might be, um, the language might be spoken. So I think... Yeah, languages are so interesting. Mm -hmm. But as you said, like, if you're going to a new place, and you're going to be there long term, um, it's important to like, immerse yourself in the culture. Um, because there are always going to be those moments, otherwise, you're going to feel left out. Because as you were saying, like, at work, like, yes, like the work was in English. But then if people are, you know, just chatting or just taking a break and talking in French, it can feel a little alienating if you don't know the language so yeah totally totally agree yeah so no that's great so um apart from the language aspect of it when you first moved to France um like did you experience any other sort of like culture shock or homesickness um and how how did you deal with that if so Sure. So it's actually funny, like when I was like getting on the plane to come to Paris, I was like super excited. I was like, I got this. And then I get off the plane with like my four suitcases, get in the taxi, get to my dorm. And I was literally like, what did I just do? <laughs> like, I was like, oh, my God, did I really just give up my entire life in the United States and move to to France. And I think that there was just the shock of, you know, doing something so big and just like really moving out of your comfort zone and having this crazy new experience without your friends and your family that like really shocked me at first. And I remember I like boohoo cried in my dorm room on my first <laughs> night there because I was just like, what did I just do? So I think that that in itself was like a huge shock. But then of course, you start making friends, um, you start kind of like, knowing, learning your way around the city and things like that. And things start to feel a bit more comfortable. But I do remember like my initial reaction, like when I 
um, had first came to France was like, whoa, what did I just do? And me personally, it's like, I've done really big moves. Like I moved to San Francisco, I moved to New York. So it's like, I'm kind of used to changing it up a bit. But like moving from the States to Paris is such a big move. And it's like a new culture, a new language, just a new way of life completely, completely that it is, you know, it's kind of like, whoa, like I am really in a different place. And I think that in itself was kind of shocking for me at first. Yeah, for sure. And like, you don't have that safety net of like having friends and family close by versus like, if in the US, you even move to a new city, like, you can, it's easier to just go back and like visit someone and have that. So no, I totally relate. And I think once you find like, a group of friends or like people um, that you like, like, and um, can hang out with they sort of become your family there and then once you find that like it's you know things start automatically getting better and in the flow of uh, the situation exactly like I think once I kind of made my group of friends and things like that things were so much easier because it's like you have a little support system and at the time because I was doing my MBA a lot of the other students were also expats um, so foreigners living abroad so we were also all kind of experiencing things together which was really cool um, and that definitely helped a lot too yeah I agree so uh, on like the note of making friends did you make like most of your friends through your program or are there like different ways and like people who might be moving to France maybe not for like studying but you know if they're just starting to work there like mm-hmm. are there other ways um, that they can make friends there it's so funny that you asked me this question I get this question all of the time that I <laughs> just recorded a video on it um, but really oh good God. question but I feel like for me personally I've made friends the most through organizations so like through school or work so of course I had my networker friends from school and then when I started working out here because it was an international company too I met a lot of great people with like similar interests um, to me through work and then another thing that I tell people too especially when you're moving abroad is don't forget about the network that you already have Um, and like make sure they know what you're doing and that you're moving abroad because for example I have a really good friend that lives in LA she works in HR she was actually interviewing another American girl who was living in Paris for a role in LA and she was like oh my god you live in Paris my friend Tiff lives in Paris like you guys should connect and like that was another great connection that I made and then she introduced me to her friends and so on so I always say like don't forget about the network that you have because like my mom was reaching out to people like you know just seeing who else knew people that lived in Paris um, or in France and um, that was super super helpful too and I also will say social media has helped a lot. And I know social media can be really touchy because sometimes like you don't know um, who's going to be out there. But just in terms of like, I met a really good friend who now lives in Germany through social media. She found my like Instagram and was like, oh my God, I'm a blogger too. Would you ever want to do a photo shoot sometime? And of course, you know, we kind of like checked out each other's like digital presence and we're like, okay, these, you know, she's legit. And we met up and we became such good friends. You know, I also have a friend that um, found me through LinkedIn. We had like a similar profile. She was also working in the creative industry, um, also went to the school that I went to, and we became friends too. So um, 
I I feel like social media, if you do it the right way and you, you know, make sure the person is legit, can also be a, a way to meet people. There are also really great um, Facebook groups. Um, there's like an expat in Paris Facebook group, Americans in Paris Facebook group, Facebook group that like really helps you connect with other people too. Um, and then the last thing I, I say too is like when you're making a move abroad like this, you also just kind of have to be open, you know, to the experience because I feel like I've also met some people just like very randomly just because I was so open to like meeting people. One of my best French friends here, I met her like I was getting off the subway. She came up to me and was like, oh, I love your hair. How do you do it? And I was like, I'm off to the hair salon right now if you just want to come and I can like show you the products that I use. And we became like good friends. And it's so funny because I feel like if, if I was living in New York and someone came up to me, I might like share <laughs> how I do my hair, but I wouldn't be like, do you want to come with me to the store? You know, I, I sometimes feel like when you put yourself in these situations where you are diving into a new experience, you just become more open to kind of receiving all that the experience has to offer you. And honestly, I kind of feel like through that, I've just attracted some really, really great friendships. Yeah, I like what you said about like being open, because I think like, if you don't have that organization, like a college or like a workplace where you're making friends from, like it can be very difficult if you're not like open to like being open to your network, being open to social media, obviously like making sure it's safe and all. But I feel like a lot of people can be a little intimidated by mm. the situation that, oh, like what if it's weird, like that I'm like putting myself out there. But I think it's important to realize that like if, you know, the person you're being friends with, like they might be open to, you know, like more friends too. Like people aren't always that evil or like scary as we make them out to be in our yeah. heads. And I think a lot of that process of making friends is just getting over that fear like um you know it's okay and I think even if you're within the U.S. or within the same country and moving I think these same things can apply totally. um I know there are so many like Facebook groups and I'm in this Facebook group that's for like South Asian women and someone posted that they were moving to Minneapolis which is like where I am and if anybody would like to be friends and I like DM'd her I'm like hey like you know I'd love to talk to you like I can you know uh, help you around if you need good spots for apartments things like that and I think like it's nothing to be ashamed of mm -hmm. and people are always open to help so absolutely absolutely yeah so yeah that's amazing now this is a question that I personally have because I've only been to France like or like specifically Paris just you know for tourism mm -hmm. and I haven't lived there but like from your experience is like Paris really that expensive as like it seems or is it more just like a tourist trap thing where it's expensive for tourists but uh, more manageable um, if you're living there so I will say this I think there's definitely an affordable way to do Paris I think when people come here to visit like naturally they're going to the most touristy places touristy restaurants and things like that so naturally you get caught up in like paying for like very expensive things of course the restaurant near the eiffel tower is going to be super expensive you know just things like that yeah. but i will say since living here i have found like more affordable restaurants that are so so good you know like even when me and my boyfriend go out like i don't think we spend more than like i don't know 
15 to 20 euros like on a meal. So it's definitely doable if you know the right places to go, you know. But with that said, I will say that when you're actually living in Paris, you will you will see that the salaries are a lot different from those in the United States. Like the salaries are like, I don't know, like 40 to 50 percent lower. Um, so because of that in itself, I feel like the prices for things do tend to be lower. Like I remember when I posted uh, my apartment tour video, I pay like 1100 euros for my apartment. It's a one bedroom. And a lot of people were commenting from the States, specifically from New York. And they were like, oh my God, like if, you know, you were living in New York city, like this would be like $3,000 or something. And it's true. Like New York, of course, is really expensive, but you also have to take into consideration that the salaries here are also a lot lower. So I will say that like when you're a tourist coming here, I do think some things can be a bit expensive um, because of course, like Paris is the place that everyone wants to go. So like the Airbnbs, the hotels, when you want to have dinner by the touristy spots, yes, they might be a bit expensive. But if you, you know, do things like with the local or um, watch my restaurant guide, <laughs> you can find the places that are a bit more affordable. So that's yeah, what for I sure. about that. Yeah. And I I mean, I would recommend everyone to watch your videos regardless of if they're going to Paris or not. Like I've been vicariously living through <laughs> your experiences. So that's great. And this is kind of taking us back to the topic of work. But from what I've heard, like I had a cousin who studied in Italy, um, is that like the work culture in Europe is very much like you work to live you know people like like and please tell me like correct me where I'm wrong but I know at least from her experience like the month of August or something like that like everyone just took off and would just go on vacation whereas in the US like people like almost live to work and so from your experience because you worked in like both these places like how has that been different or how has that been similar Sure. So I will say the work culture is a bit different in the sense that, yes, you do get a lot of vacation. Like I was even shocked and people really do take their vacation. Like I remember the first year I was working here, my boss was like, Piff, like no one's going to be in the office in August. She was taking three weeks off and I was like, oh, okay. And it was so new to me because in the States, I mean, I think I had like two weeks of vacation tops that accumulated like every year that I worked. But here, my very first year, I had like five weeks of vacation, which was insane, you know? And I also noticed things like, for example, um, when I was working in the States, it was very common for people to just eat lunch at their desks, where um, at the company that I worked for, you know, it was like mandatory, like you could not eat at your desk. You had to leave, go to the cafeteria, go outside. Um, like, you know, they really want you to actually take a break. Um, also, people had coffee breaks throughout the day, like multiple coffee breaks throughout the day. So I will say it was a bit different in that sense. Um, but also because I worked for an American company here, it was still a French team, but I could kind of feel like the work ethic was still a bit like fast and still very kind of like competitive and you know and I think that kind of comes just from like working in luxury beauty or fashion so I think that was still there um, but to your point about um, you know the French kind of working to live versus living to work I do think you could feel that a bit more you know like people loved going on their their vacations you know I don't think that people were as stressed 
um, as you know, sometimes you are when you're working in the United States. Yes, the pressure was still there. Like, yes, you know, we still had a boss that had to get like things done and, you know, report into higher management. But I will say that things felt a lot more, um, a lot more lax. And another thing that I noticed too, when I was working is that like, when I was working in the United States, I kind of felt like, you know, whenever you would work on a project, it had to be approved by like everyone, by the manager, by the VP, by whoever, where I feel like in France, it was kind of like, just send it and we'll see what happens, you know, like a lot more just chill. So I can definitely say that about the differences in the work culture. Yeah. And I, it's almost like you get like the best of both worlds, right? Where, like the work you're doing, it is having an impact. Like, you know, it's not just like, you're just doing something for like, you know, to get the money and go on vacation. It's like, okay, you're doing work. It has an impact. It is like stressful at times. But then once you're done with that, you do have that space to take a break, which mm. I know like working here in the US, like I don't see that much. Like I know I sit at my desk and eat my lunch. And the thing is I'm working from home. So I'm literally like sitting at this yeah. desk in my room and like working and eating. And it's just it can get really overwhelming very easily. So I like that, that it's almost like over there, like pushing you to like take a break, like uh, go do it. Exactly. Totally. Yeah. So no, that's amazing. Um, so another thing I want to talk about, and it kind of like I saw like one of your videos where you got people from all around the world to talk about how COVID's been mm -hmm. um, in their country. But can you like talk a little bit about when you know when things first shut down how was it like for you um firstly like how were the regulations but also how were you feeling because I know how alienating it can be to be in a country uh, where your family is in there and also have no end to like the situation mm -hmm. so yeah would love to know how was it like when it first started but also what's like the situation there now Sure. So honestly, when it first started, I was really worried. Like, I remember being like, oh, my gosh, what's going on? And it was only because the the switch in Paris happened so fast. It was like we knew that COVID was in other countries. Um, we knew that it was probably in Paris, but like things still weren't that strict. And then I kid you not, I was making plans um, to meet a friend for coffee um, like on a Saturday and I was texting her on a Friday and she was like, Tiff, um, did you just see like an article, an article came up that said like all the restaurants and bars were closing. And I was like, what? Like it happened so suddenly in France, the shift from, um, kind of like being, having a normal life to like living in this like pandemic type of life. So for me, because things escalated so quickly, I, it was a bit of a shocker for me. And I remember like the next week, the next week, um, like going to the grocery store and there being like lines outside the grocery store because um, people were trying to like get things before the lockdown started. Um, so at first, you know, it was a little crazy just kind of like going through something so major and not being so close to friends and family. Um, but I am so grateful that I have such a great support system here. I have a boyfriend here. So because of that, I didn't feel so alone. But at first, it was a little scary. I'm not going to lie. Um, and of course, like during it, like we were on a very, very strict lockdown that kept increasing. So at first, it was just for two weeks. 
then it was a month and then it ended up eventually just being three months that we were under lockdown and ours was super super strict like we really could barely leave the house um we actually whenever we left the house we had to carry around a signed document that stated why we were leaving the house and there were only like four reasons like you could leave the house if you wanted to take if you needed like some exercise like to walk if you wanted to go grocery shopping and I think there were two other ones that I can't remember but like you couldn't just be out and about at all like the restaurants were shut down like we were on a real lockdown and I think that that's also what made it a bit scary because in the United States I don't think it ever happened that way like I think things were still kind of open. You could still do like takeaway at some places. Like for us, I remember like having to cook every single meal. We would look on the delivery apps, like barely any restaurants were open. Like it was very, very strict. Um, so yeah, so that was crazy. And then Yeah. Yeah. No, go ahead. Okay. And then um the lo- our lockdown lifted on May eleventh. And I will say maybe between like May and mid-July things were actually pretty okay in Paris like gyms were opening back up movie theaters restaurants we were in a really good position and then I feel like end of July August hit and everything started spiking again and I kind of think that it's due to the fact that in August everyone does go on holiday so I feel like there was just so much movement like during the end of July to August that I think that things kind of escalated super quickly. Um, So as it stands right now, the cases are rising. Um, The government just put new measures in place. So for example, um, now it's mandatory for us to wear a mask wherever we go. Like before, I mean, like, like right when the lockdown lifted, it was fine for us to leave our apartments without a mask. But like now, if you're on the street, you have to wear a mask and you can get fined if you don't. Um, so it's very, very strict now. And also like they just shut down bars for two weeks because things are escalating. Restaurants are still open. Um, but I think that they have to implement like new safety measures. So we're, we're, I don't know, for me, I'm kind of getting nervous that we're like going into a wave two. People say that Paris won't completely shut down again because of the economy. Um, but I think at this point you never know, but I will say that like, I do see outside that people are trying to be as safe as they can. For me personally, I probably leave my apartment like only once or twice a week, just cause I don't really want to be out and about during this time. Um, but yeah, that's what I can say about the situation right now. Yeah, that's definitely interesting. And like the US never went into like a proper lockdown. And so, you know, you're talking about like maybe France having a second wave, but then there's the US that we are just going up and up on the first one, which is so scary to think about. And I almost feel like things like it the pandemic has just become such a normal part of people's lives that they're almost taking that as an excuse to like, ignore um how uh, like scary the situation can be and so um while like I definitely understand it's it's not ideal to like be home all the time and to limit like being outside um it's it's the same philosophy as like if if we like have restrictions then open them up and then have restrictions again it's just a cycle that you never break out of <laughs> And so I don't, I honestly don't know what's going to happen, but at least I'm glad to hear that over there, like initially it was 
super super strict and even now as they're seeing things rise up like people are taking it seriously because from my experience here even though things are rising people still aren't taking it seriously here so that's the difference yeah like when i talk to my friends in the united states and like even my family i honestly cannot believe what's going on over there like it's it's insane it's it's insane it really is um but yeah i mean of course in europe and in paris it's like you do have people who like you know like anywhere else that like maybe aren't like following all of the precautions but like i will say more often than not i feel like people are wearing their masks the one thing i will say is from the times i've been out there isn't really a lot of social distancing and i don't know if it's just because you know the french culture it's very um it's very like you know with the bisous the kisses on the cheek people are kind of like always together like even at restaurants things aren't super socially distanced but i feel like that might change because of everything that's happening now yeah for sure and this is something that like i've noticed that coming out of not coming out of the pandemic cuz we aren't really out of the situation but as things are you know getting more open i've just seen like people's like social skills just go down a little bit too <laughs> because i i mean i'm an introvert and then when something like this happens and then i have to like like you know meet people or talk to them or like see people at like even grocery stores and they're not like distancing like i get really nervous about it but also if i have to like you know talk to someone at work i'm like i honestly feel so drained up from my social battery because we haven't done this for like 5 6 months or whatever and so i feel like that is going to be really interesting to observe as you know things keep changing yeah that's actually a really good point cuz i'm like a bit i'm like a extroverted introvert i would say so it's like i kind of like being at home sometimes and when things started opening back up in paris like everyone wanted to hang out and i was kind of like i feel like i'm still in like isolation mode You know, I do think that like there's definitely going to be like an adjustment when all of this is over to like people feeling super comfortable with like being around people all of the time again. You know, so that's a really good point that you made. Yeah, but you know, hopefully things get better and I'm glad that you're staying safe. So that's good to hear. Yeah. So I want to end this off with a question I'm sure everyone asks you. but like do you like see yourself being in france for the long term or uh yeah like what are you, what are you thinking there sure so you're right everyone asks me this question <laughs> um and if i'm being honest with you right now paris does feel like home um like i love my life here um i also like definitely want to become fluent before i leave So right now Paris is home and I do see myself staying here for a few more years. Um I always wonder though like once I have a family and things like that will I want to be closer to home? So once things like that start ha- happening, who knows, but I will say for right now I can see myself staying here for a few more years for sure. Yeah, and I like how you're thinking about it as like for now because i think sometimes when people ask that question like even to me i'm like well for now i'm happy here i don't know what i'm going to feel in the next year or even two years so it's always it's never a straight answer right like yes i'd want to be here forever and when you also bring in things like visa regulations and restrictions like it's not always in your hand mm-hmm. whether you're going to stay in this foreign country or not so I think it's important to like think of it as in the present and 
you know sometimes like it's the people you surround yourself with that make a place a home and so I think um, that's very essential so yeah thank you for answering that I know that's a question that people ask me and it bothers <laughs> me sometimes <laughs> no worries. so yeah thank you Thank you for bearing with me. But yeah, this was such a great conversation. I am so excited to hear about, you know, everything that you've been up to. And I would definitely recommend people go watch your videos. They can binge watch it because that's what I did. (laughs) So can you tell us like where people can find your videos, where they can connect with you, if that's Instagram or any other social media platform? Sure. So on um, YouTube, you can find my videos. So it's just youtube.com slash Tiffany Davis. It's T-I-F-F-A-N-I-E-D-A-V-I-S. And then on Instagram, um, you can find me at it's Tiffany Davis. So I-T-S Tiffany Davis is where you can find me on Instagram. um, And that's about it. Launching a website soon. So I'll give you those details once I have them. Um, But as for now, those are the two platforms that I'm mainly on. Oh, that's exciting. I cannot wait to see the website. But yeah, thank you so much um, for being on the podcast. I love this conversation and I'm sure everyone listening to it will as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Please check out the show notes to follow Tiffany and connect with her, as well as you can find our podcast on Instagram at Caffeinated Brown Girl and on Facebook with the same name. Please reach out to me through email or Instagram if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast or if you have any feedback. And if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review because that will help bring this podcast to other fellow people who might be interested in tuning in so take care i will talk to you soon until then bye bye